On Racing HQ, Monday's Experts, studying the form of racing's characters. Monday's Experts, hey, they've always got the good oil, but you can't put a bet on at the finish of a race. Yeah, welcome back to Sky Racing and Sky Sports Radio and uh, very much looking forward to our next chat on Monday's Experts where we get to delve behind the name. And we've obviously been doing a a lot of these chats in relation to Sky Racing and Sky Sports Radio presenters and people that work for us. But there's also been an opportunity where we've spoken to Annabelle Neesham, Tommy Berry, etc. And names that have been around, especially Sydney and New South Wales racing for many moons. Now, a lot of our audience especially Big Sports Breakfast audience, will remember the great Tommy from Campbelltown. Well, Tommy from Campbelltown, of course, was a, I guess we can maybe call it an, an alter ego of uh, a gentleman called Wayne Pasterfield. Now, Wayne has been around the racing game a long, long time, and I thought it'd be interesting to chat with Wayne. I'm not sure if he's ever done something like this before on our radio network, but Wayne Pasterfield, welcome to Monday's Experts. Good morning, David. My pleasure, mate. Have you ever done anything like this where we've spoken away from Tommy from Campbelltown uh, or even yourself uh, when you've represented, uh, you know, various jockeys and racing participants at inquiries as, uh, as you know, being a law, um, a lawyer yourself? Have you ever done anything where you've chatted about your life? Uh, I love talking about myself, but no, I haven't <laughs> at this stage. So if, if I was ever going to talk about myself to anyone, Dave, it would be you. Oh, fantastic. Let's start. Where, where did you grow up? Where were you born? Uh, born in Sydney, um, uh, had a fairly tumultuous childhood without going into the details, but then um, ended up on the Gold Coast, which I really loved, at a place called Burley Heads, um, and uh, uh, then moved to the Shire, which I sort of call my spiritual home, and grew up in the Cronulla area. I actually went to Cronulla Primary School and Woolaway High School, which is opposite Shark Park. Do you remember the first time you saw the races uh, or heard the races? Well, I had no hope of avoiding being involved in racing because from the time I was four, my father, who uh, has built up quite a cult following on Twitter as old Tommy, um, and I know that you like some of his appearances yes. on Twitter, um, he, um, he started taking me to the trots every night, uh, every night of the week from the time I was four. So, for example, uh, my week would include Monday night Bankstown trots, Tuesday night Menangle trots, which was at the old Menangle. Wednesday night would either be Fairfield or Parramatta trots. They had trots at the Parramatta showgrounds in those days. Thursday night would be either Penrith or Hawkesbury trots. They uh, had a beautiful big uh, trotting track at Hawkesbury where they went the opposite way. Friday night would be Harold Park and then Saturday we'd go to the races. Um, and Sunday, if I was lucky, we'd go to Watson's Bay where we'd bet on the yacht races. So, uh, mate, I had, I had no hope of avoiding being involved in racing. What was it uh, I remember, and I think why I love seeing those uh, videos of, of your old man up on social media is it reminds me a lot of my grandfather, who I see as my father. Um, yeah. What was it about? I remember back then, for me personally, if it was the same for you, but I was... I just really wanted to learn so much about what my grandfather loved so um, to, to impress him. Was it the similar sort of case with you that even though you were almost sort of inverted commas being dragged to the, to the races mm. uh, sometimes, you obviously knew it was close to your old man's heart, so you wanted to learn and just engage with him? Well, yeah, it was that. Um, I mean, when you grow up, your father is your hero no matter who you are, I suppose. Um, 
like everyone, as you get older, you see cracks in their characters, and that's when you you break away and develop your own personality. But that's probably a bit deep and meaningful for this show. Um, <laughs> I'll probably I'll probably need to ring Doctor Phil or someone about that. But um, but no, you're right, and and I I just look. I mean, I think all Australians, particularly well, all Australians are competitive at heart, and I saw. Um, going to the trots and the races as a competition sport, which it is. The whole idea is winning. Um, and then when I got older and was able to bet, um, I saw the challenge of trying to beat the bookmakers as also uh, a competition. And um, I think that's what uh, made me keep going to the trots and then the races ultimately was just the challenge of trying to back a winner. Um, and then in just being involved with a, a great community, uh, the racing community is a very giving community. Whenever, when any, uh, whenever someone is in trouble, the racing community always bands together behind them. Um, it's just a wonderful industry to be involved in. And, uh, and as you know, Dave, probably like all your listeners know, it's either in your blood or it isn't. And once it's in your blood, it's, it's in your blood for life. It certainly is. Mate, um, isn't it funny how, and you're not the first person that I've had on this program talking about this, that the trots were so integral to their love of, you know, the gallops and, and, and obviously, you know, that avenue to having a punt and, and, and what we love today. Um, now, you used to obviously, you mentioned, go to the trots during the week, but you would, you would have been around the time of uh, Harold Park. That would have must have been oh, yeah. extraordinary. Yeah, well, I hardly ever missed the Harold Park meeting. Um, I used to get, when I lived in Cronulla, I used to get the train to Central and then the bus down to Harold Park, which was great. I never missed the meeting on a Friday night. And also they started racing on Tuesday nights. I think Ray Hadley, the great Ray Hadley, was the caller on course in those days. Um, so I hardly ever missed a meeting and uh, grew up in the house in here. My first memory of going to Harold Park was, I think it was either 1969 or 1970, where uh, my favourite horse at the time, Cocky Raider, um, they were all standing starts in those days. He came from 24 yards handicap and beat Lucky Creed, who was trained by Big Frost. Um, and he was going for his 25th consecutive win. And uh, Cocky Raider gave him 24 yards start and running down. It was a great, a great race called by a great, great commentator, Ray Conroy, back in the day, who was a legend. Um, and they were, that was my first memory of going to Harold Park. But I, I never, I rarely missed a meeting. Uh, right up until when I started studying law in 1988, um, and unfortunately the the, the, um, the bludgers that organised my roster had me going to lectures on Friday night, so I basically had to stop going to the trots while I was doing my law degree. But yeah, I went I went to Harold Park just about every Friday night, mate. It was fantastic through the era of Paleface Adios and Honda yeah. Grattan and you know magnificent horse like going right back to Bayfoil and all the all the Miracle Miles with um, with Westburn Grant etc. Uh, just a wonderful, wonderful time and a wonderful night out. And they used to get 20,000 people there, mate. It was incredible. Yeah, it's, it's something I wish I could get in a time machine and go back and experience. What about mm. law? Okay, so we're talking about racing, but why did you why did you choose law as your um, your occupation? Well, it's an unbelievable story, and I actually fell into it because I always wanted to be a bookmaker. And in fact, I had enough money saved up. Uh, you had to put money in trust with the bookmakers' cooperation in case in case you you know you couldn't pay, so you had to have money in trust. And I had enough money saved up by 1988 to become a bookmaker, and I was going to actually become a bookmaker at the trots and start at Bankstown, because um, well, they used to race regularly at Bankstown, and they, they, it wouldn't be uncommon for them to get eight or 10,000 people at Bankstown uh, for a meeting wow. on a weeknight. It was unbelievable, mate. And uh, then in 1988, um, Sky Channel got invented, and I, I thought to myself, well, 
No one will go to the races when they can sit in the luxury of their pubs or lounge rooms and watch them on TV, which is great. It's been fantastic, but uh, there'd be no point being a bookmaker. Um, so I thought, well, I might as well be a lawyer. I don't know why. I just I was always good at arguing. I had an interest in the law from an early age. I used to like watching law movies, etc. Um, so I just thought I'd have a crack at um, a law degree and. When I told the people I was working with at the time that that's what I was going to do, I've never seen any anyone laugh as much. They, I remember the boss telling me at the time, how are you ever going to get through your law degree? The only thing you've studied for the last 10 years is the race form, which was technically true. Um, so that just inspired me and drove me on, and uh, all of a sudden, five or six years went past and I got through. So um, that's what happened and uh, became a criminal lawyer, and I do a lot of racing cases. and. Um, I, re- I really enjoy it. Again, I think that's the, that's because of the competitive boost in me. Um, because when you think about it, doing a criminal law case or even a racing case, there's two sides and a referee, um, and it's it's basically you versus someone else. So um, yeah. I see it as a challenge, and I really enjoy it. All right, so we're just sort of putting all the building blocks together. So love of racing, we do law. You're very. As soon as I put your name up yesterday on social media, Timmy Newbold contacted me. Yeah. Of course, used to work for Sky, and Timmy was the producer, of course, for the Big Sports Breakfast. I think back in the day when it was Radley and Trent, and I know yeah. Richard and Richard Friedman and Terry Kennedy. And yeah. so you've got this law degree. You love racing. What makes you pick up the phone? And I know you'd done some stuff with Ken Callender back in yeah. on Two GB. But what makes you pick up the phone and create this alter ego? Well, Kenny Callender first got me on his show when he was back on 2GB, and you'd never, you probably know, you'd agree yourself, you'd never meet a greater bloke than Ken Callender. I've, all, I've been friends with him for over 40 years. Um, he, the thing I like about Kenny is he only knows right and wrong. There's no in-between, um, and I love that about him. He's a straight shooter, and I think he's instilled that in his sons. Richard is the same. You're, I know you're good friends with him, and he does a great job, and behind the scenes, he does a great job with his charities, and that's... Uh, I went on to uh, Kenny Callender's program as the Cronulla Fruit Fly um, because I lived in Cronulla at the time and I had to give myself a pseudonym um, in case I made an idiot of myself. Um, and then followed him across to 2KY, which ultimately became Sky Sports Radio. Uh, I think he was on with Kerry Buckridge back in those days. And then in 2001, uh, I hadn't been on the radio for a while. The Cronulla Fruit Fly was sort of like dead and buried. Um, and then they started the first night grand final in the rug, as Peter Volandis would say, the Rugby League um, in 2001. And I was filthy about it because it was a tradition back in the day to have the grand final in the afternoon where you could watch the under-23s and then the reserve grade and have a barbecue and have a drink and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, everyone was enjoying it by three o'clock. So I was filthy about it being on of the night. So... I'd heard Tommy Radonikus go on a couple of days earlier winking about it as well. And I uh, thought, well, I'll go on and I'll put on a Tommy Radonikus voice and call myself Tommy from Campbelltown and complain about the first night grand final, which I did. Um, and then about three weeks later, the great Timmy Eubold, who was the producer of that show at the time, and I think it was Ian Trent and Greg Radley, as you say, uh, he rang me and said, mate, you've got to come back on. And I said, why? And he said, we've got over 100 emails. People love you. They want you on. So... Um, that's how Tommy from Campbelltown started, and uh, I had a sore voice for many years after that from doing the, doing the voice. Did you think that first time that you came on, it would uh, sort of, you know, snowball into something else? Uh, no, it, it uh, snowballed out of control. In fact, if I missed ringing in for a couple of weeks, like uh, Timmy, Timmy Newbold or whoever else was the producer at the time, John O, the panel operator, I don't know if he's still there or not, but he's a good yeah. bloke, and... Um, they would ring and say, mate, you've got to come on, you know, lift the, lift the, the spirit of the show. And uh, so I, 
I'd come on from time to time, and it went right through with uh, when TK and uh, Friedman. Friedman was always great because he was always the butt of most of my jokes, which and he's an easy target, so that was good. And uh, <laughs> when Slats came on, that was good because I used to call him Billy Slater instead of Michael Slater, and it just snowballed out of control until I started to go on Punish Postmortem with Radley, Duffy, Dean Lester, um, the great Dean Lester, um, and Radley was. Radley was fantastic because he just knew which buttons to push um, to start an argument, and uh, it was it was a really it was a really good time. In fact, Tim Newbold used to do a best of Tommy from Campbelltown uh, recording at the end of each year and uh, send it out to all the listeners. And I've still I've still got one here. I think I emailed it to you last week. But no, mate, yeah. it was a really good time. And then. Out of the blue, in 2010, Rod Galagos rang me up and uh, he said, oh, mate, we want you to do a Sunday sports show. And that became the Big Sports Breakfast Sunday. Um, and I started that off with Ray Thomas and Jimmy Smith back in 2010. Tanya was there then, who ultimately became uh, Ray's wife. Um, it was a good time, but um, in uh, toward the end of the first year, my son started um, surf club activities at Jaroa down the coast where I live now. And... Uh, I couldn't commit over the summer, so I, I had a couple of months off. And during that time, um, someone from TVN rang me up and asked me to go over with them and if, if I could do a, a TV show to promote the Autumn Carnival in 2011. So so from being a humble talkback caller, David, it just snowballed yeah. out of control and all of a sudden I had all the bloody media gigs, plus trying to work full-time, running my own business as a criminal lawyer. So it, it, uh, it became a bit too much in the end. I remember seeing you pop up because I grew up in Brisbane. I wasn't um, across Sky Sports Radio or 2K Wise. It was known back then. We only had Radio Tab 4, Tab up there in Queensland. And there was no, you know, you couldn't jump on your phone and listen to radio stations all around the, the planet. Um, tell me, I remember seeing you pop up on TVN. Yeah. And um, tell me about that sort of experience. Had you done any sort of TV before? And like, I've seen some old clips that pop up on social media of you standing there beside Mark Waugh saying, you know, oh, great to be here with Steve Waugh and stuff like that. I mean, that that must have been, you know, you, uh, you must have been like a pig in the proverbial, so to speak. Mate, it was, it was incredible. I mean, they said, uh, I think Richard Callender actually rang me up and said, come over to TVN and you can do your own show. And I said, oh, yeah, right, I'll, I'll come over. I said, what's it about? And he said, I don't know. And no one, it was a bit like Seinfeld. It was a show about nothing. So um, <laughs> I remember I turned up, I think the producer was a Scottish bloke called Colin Davidson and he rang me up and I had no idea what I was doing, mate. I mean, it was like throwing me in a 100-metre freestyle final at the Olympics. I had no idea. So... The, the producer rang me up and said, look, I want you at Randwick at four o'clock tomorrow and start your show. And I said, well, what am I supposed to do? I've been asking for three weeks. And no one knew. So I turned up and he said, well, just go and interview that woman over there. And it turned out to be Christina Keneally, who was only the premier of New South Wales at the time. So I had to interview her with a, uh, a bit of a comedy edge to it. And then they, I said, what do we do now? And we jumped in the car and we drove up the Wyong and we interviewed Mark Waugh. Um, about uh, his cricket career, but more particularly about his interest in racing. So the whole idea of the show was to interview uh, a celebrity who had some connection with racing and the idea being to promote the Autumn Carnival in Sydney. And so we had a, a good list of um, uh, guests on the show, Christina Canerly, Mark War. I remember interviewing Lane Beachley on Manly Beach. She was yeah. so funny and so intelligent and so small and I... I remember when I kept uh, when I was interviewing, I kept thinking about how the how the hell does she ride those massive tubes at pipeline when she's only when she's so small and 
We had Kevin Chudy on and the great Matt Burke, who now reads the news on uh, the sport on Channel 10, Kenny Callender, Ray Warren and Ray Hadley. Um, they were all on it, mate. So it was a really, really good show. Opened up a lot of doors for me. Um, uh, met, a, met a lot of really nice people that were involved in the racing industry. And, of course, um, my, my co-stars on the show were James Cummings, a very young and single James Cumming, uh, Cummings, and uh, a young jockey by the name of Hugh Bowman. Um, so we had some uh, we had some good experiences on there, and James wasn't married at the time. Hugh was, but neither of them had kids. So I still uh, say to them uh, to this day that Tommy's Town was a stallion making show and and <laughs> launched their careers. And uh, <laughs> so who, who ever thought that they would go on to the heights they did? And I, I hold myself solely responsible for that. Exactly. I've got to ask. I mean, I, I you know me, I, I love taking the Mickey, uh, mm-hmm. and especially out of myself. Do you think? We've lost that with racing in the last little bit because there was a, a show like this with with you know TVN and mm. there was you know uh, off the rails. I remember with yeah. with Greg and it seems like we're we're very serious in racing and any time there's a bit of a laugh at mm. someone else's expense, all in jest. Um, mm. There's not really a footy show of racing, is there? And I'd love there to be. I'd love to be involved if there ever was. But I just you know, it, are we too serious sometimes? I think that's right, and just while you mention that, I mean, I think um, Sky, Sky Sports Radio or Sky Channel um, has got a perfect opportunity to have a, a show like that with yourself and Richard Callender. Like, I mean, I know I'm mates with both of you and probably biased, but you both have similar personalities where you really enjoy um, racing, you really enjoy sport, you really in, enjoy taking the mickey out of people. That would be a good opportunity. Now, I think you're right. I think uh, not only racing's lost um, that uh, ability to laugh at itself, but I don't think it's racing sport. I don't think it's sports sports generally. I just think it's the way society is because, um, as you know, what would normally appear to be a joke between people like you and me may offend someone else. And racing's got to be particularly careful about its image. Um, you don't have to do a great deal to bring racing into disrepute. And I think it's just because of the way society is at the moment that, unfortunately, the laugh, uh, the ability to laugh at each other has been lost um, because of mm. uh, the fear of people having that, that, that they have these days of insulting someone or hurting someone's feelings. So, unfortunately, yeah. mate, it would be good if we could go back to those days, but um, I don't think we can. What about on a serious note? Um, because you you've been able to successfully, you know, use your your law uh, knowledge of law, and obviously being a criminal lawyer, but also bring that across into a racing the racing game that you love. And you've been in some very high profile cases. And this is what I do love about your story is that a lot of our listeners would hear you, you know, as Tommy from Campbelltown, and and then they get to, I guess, for the first time possibly, if that's the the case, realise that you've been involved on a number of, uh, you know, you've represented Nash. Huey, James yeah. McDonald, Blake Shin, Corey Brown, Chris Muntz, yeah. Glenn Schofield, but also Josh Cartwright. You represented yeah. in that uh, that case in South Australia. Yeah, that was um, like when I, I was just sitting in my man cave, like most blokes, on a Saturday afternoon, and I actually watched that last race in Adelaide. I saw Josh turn right when he should have gone straight ahead without putting his blinker on. By the way. And uh, he cannoned into a horse uh, that was near the outside fence and, and nearly caused um, another jockey to fall off. And I thought, and then I, then I heard the rumours that um, his girlfriend had actually won the race. And I was like everyone else. I thought, oh, he's just done that uh, so his girlfriend could win the race. And I was really surprised when a good mate of mine from Canberra, Luke Pepper, uh, rang me up and asked me to take the case. And, and I was reluctant to do it because I thought, well, I, I just thought the same as everyone else. He, 
he'd done it deliberately so his girlfriend could win the race. But when I read the brief, it actually made me cry because it was a uh, mental health case. He was just absolutely desperate to get out of riding because he'd just taken on too much. He was riding, training, breaking in horses and trying to run a farm all at the same time. He had a dual licence and it was just too much much for him and losing four or five kilos in the two days leading up to a, a race meeting. He saw it as the only way out was to cause severe interference and get disqualified for a long time. Now, when a young bloke um, has to go to those depths to uh, you know, to to get out of an industry because he just can't handle handle it anymore because it's just too much. Um, it was very very sad. So it worked out well. Um, uh, I'm still very good friends with Josh uh, and his then partner Anna Yusha, um, uh, who you've probably heard of. She's one of the one of the yep. leading female riders in South Australia, and I'm very pleased to report that Josh Josh is in a very happy place at the moment, uh, riding work for Chris Waller. And without telling tales out of school, I can tell you that Chris Waller is extremely, extremely happy with Josh Cartwright, and he considers him a very valuable asset to his machine. Um, so that was a good story, that's, mate. That's good, end. mate. Mm. Yeah. And what about when you when you are representing these jockeys and they go in? I mean, um, we've seen it uh, with big cases in time for time. I remember, um, mm. you know, there's been some, some serious racing incidents and you've had to represent, um, mm. you know, jockeys. Is it... What's it like applying the law uh, or mm. your knowledge of law to these sort of events? Because it's not like a normal court you walk into and no. say in the Shire or in town. Mm. Well, I mean, that's I made that mistake for the first ten years because when you do a criminal case, as you probably know, the the standard of proof is beyond reasonable doubt. So it's not that hard to raise a reasonable doubt in court. But when you do a racing case, apart from um, but it's been, it's based on their uh, on Racing New South Wales's rules or whatever jurisdiction Racing Victoria's rules or Racing Queensland's rules. The standard of proof is only the balance of probability, so it's a lot easier for the stewards to prove their case than it is for you to create a doubt. Um, and the the other thing, of course, is that it's a very and I'm not being critical, but it's just the way the system is. The stewards are the police of racing. Uh, they collect their evidence, and then in a strange system, they present their own evidence to themselves. So it's hardly surprising that they rarely lose a case. And uh, that, that's why we have an appeal system. Um, the appeal system in New South Wales works very well. We have actually have two appeals systems in New South Wales. You take your first appeal to the appeals panel, and then you can go to the appeals tribunal. Um, but generally, um, uh, the, the, I, I think myself and Paul O'Sullivan do most of the racing cases in New South Wales. We get along really well with the stewards. They're, they're good to work with. We understand the cases, and uh, um, generally everyone gets a satisfactory outcome. So, uh, mate, it's, 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 a difficult, it's a difficult thing to police. It's a difficult thing as a criminal lawyer to get your head around at first. Uh, but after a few years, I realised you know, how, how the system worked, and um, everything's working out well at the moment. What about uh, racing, mate? Uh, you're obviously on the south coast, and yeah. you might, you know from from where racing was uh, when you first landed on the south coast to live to where it is now. I mean, it's going from strength to strength in terms of the quality of horse. Uh, we see, you know, obviously the country championships this year won by Art Cadeau, and mate, mm. it, it must it, it must you know as a racing lover put a bit of a strain in your step that one day your young bloke or his uh, mm. young ones will mm. be around a game that's that's thriving. It is. I mean, you've got to give Peterville Andy's credit. Racing in New South Wales is absolutely going to a new level. Like, I've had more blues with Peterville Andy's than most other people, but you've got to give him credit. He's just a fantastic administrator, and the money that's available in racing now, like, to give you an example, I had a small, I got a small share in a filly with 
Chris Lees in Australian Bloodstock called Zetterbrook. He won the Wellington Boot. It was two hundred thousand. You, you win a two hundred thousand dollar race at Wellington. I mean, it's it's incredible. And and you're right. It extends to um, the country area as well. I'll go to the local meeting at Nara here, and uh, you might see Gay Waterhouse will win a race there, or or, or Gary Patelli will win a couple of races there, or that pest from Warwick Farm, Greg Hickman, will win a couple of races there. So it's really really good for country racing and. Uh, of course, you touched on Art Cadet before with uh, Terry Robinson, who's a good mate of mine. He lives not far from me. Um, he he's uh, he trained that horse beautifully to win that race, and I was a, I had a little bit of an involvement in that because if you remember, I represented Tommy Berry, um, got him a day off a suspension so he could ride Art Cadet in that race, and the family were very very thankful uh, for what I what I'd done for him in that particular appeal, and it was a good result for everyone, and uh, we all celebrated long and hard at the Shoalhaven Heads Pub that night. Mate, before I let you go, and it just shows how quick time does go. I mean, we're already 11.28. Uh, mm. We talk about uh, alter egos. How yeah. much really is an alter ego of Tommy from Campbelltown? Because from seeing your old man, from hearing some of uh, Tommy from Campbelltown's uh, quotes and sayings, and did you really have to try that hard to put it on? Uh, no. Um, it's, uh, look, a lot, of, a lot of it's what I really feel, but you can't say, but you feel that if you say it as a, as a different personality, you won't get in trouble for it. Um, so, so uh, mate, it's, it's probably the way I feel. I mean, the thing about Tommy, Tommy from Campbelltown, he was a very passionate character um, and it generated an interest in racing. And uh, it, it opened a lot of doors for me um, through, you know, ownership of horses like Crone, uh, Crone I was going to say Crone Crusher, but Croner and Druid and uh, opened up a lot of doors. So the Tommy from Campbelltown character has been very good for me uh, and has opened up a lot of doors in my life. Dave. And meeting people such as yourself has been one of those bonuses. Wayne, before we let you go, mate, um, racing in 10 years' time, what do you think it'll look like? Well, I think New South Wales will continue to thrive um, with uh, with the, the with the current administration, uh, prize money increases. Um, I mean, seriously, I, I'm not I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Victoria, but seriously, um, with the overseas horses flooding Australia's greatest race, and that's probably going to end now because of the veterinary requirements. I'm talking about the Melbourne Cup. Um, the Melbourne Cup was something that I would never, ever, ever miss. I mean, I think myself and a lot of people uh, like me um, have little or no interest in the Melbourne Cup anymore. And it's races in New South Wales like the Everest uh, that are really, really catching on. It is just a great concept and a great race. So I think um, I think with the current administration in place and the people that we've got in charge of racing at the moment, um, the cooperation between the participants and the stewards, um, the quality of jockeys that we have. I mean, I looked at Kembley yesterday and you pick up the form guide and you've got Hugh Bowman, uh, Nashville Willard, James McDonald, all, all riding down there. Um, James McDonald's still, I don't know, think he's even 30 yet. So we've got the next 15, 20 years to look forward to him flying his trade. I can't see anything but good in the future of racing in New South Wales. Mate, great way to finish. Thanks for coming on. Good to share a little bit of your life and a little bit behind the name of Tommy from Campbelltown, a.k.a. Wayne Pastorfield. Thanks, mate. Mate, I appreciate it. And just before you go, I've just got a little thought for all your listeners to take on board. Don't spend the rest of your life waiting for your ship to come in. You swim out to it. Thanks, David. Uh, Thanks, Wayne. Wayne Pastorfield.